Okay, John, what's happening? Well, Eric, we were talking about my piece, why I'm a climate denier and you should be too. And it, what I am saying in it, the most important point is arguing with leftists on the merits, on the evidence that they present and the rational arguments that they offer, you have to do that, but it's sort of beside the point because they are not convinced of their position by evidence or rational arguments. Those are like Christmas tree ornaments that, they, that are purely decorative. They have chosen their political positions typically for one of three reasons. And it's these things we usually have to actually dig and go after if we want to engage them. One is the spurious sense of meaning that they find for their frivolous lives in embracing some arbitrary cause and then moralizing about it self-righteously. Then there's the haughty sense of superiority that they feel over non-believers when they preach or preen about this issue. And finally, the political or economic power that they can gain over helpless strangers who they can corral, starve, forcibly vaccinate, forcibly sterilize, or even kill as if they were cattle. That is what motivates the left. So spurious sense of meaning, haughty sense of superiority, and the real prospect of coercive power wielded by the government or some big corporation. That's what motivates the left. So when you, when you argue with them on the merits, they look confused. It's like a monkey threw its poop at you, and you pick the poop up and threw it back. Snow, cement, and on Folks, welcome. I get to talk to John Zmirak, and you get to listen to me talk to John Zmirak. John Zmirak, you get to talk. Theoretically. Hey, theoretically. Good morning. It's Monday. If people are watching this on Rumble, and I say it always over and over, folks, you got to sign up for the newsletter at ericmetaxas.com. If you don't do that, you are missing some wonderful images. I promise you, you can't imagine. In fact, I'm not going to tell you what's behind John's Mirac right now, because why should I? Why should I when all you have to do is go to ericmetaxas.com and you'd be able to see it for yourself by signing up for the newsletter? Thank you very much. John's Mirac, um, well, I love the lot to talk your- about. Your background it. is entirely blurry, and that is not an effect of the camera. That's just because you're in California, where everything I'm, is blurry. I'm in like California, that, and there's a tax. If you don't want to your background to be blurry, yeah. you have to pay forty percent higher taxes. <laughs> so uh, it's not worth I, it. You no, know, it's just not. It's not worth it. <laughs> but uh, but actually, yes, I'm in California uh, today, Monday, because tonight I'm speaking in San Marcos at uh, Rise church in San Marcos. My friend, Pastor Greg Denham, uh, invited me to speak tonight. Yesterday, I was at Rob McCoy's church up in Thousand Oaks, Newbury Park, whatever it was. I spoke at three services, met more delightful people. I have to tell you, that church is full of extraordinary um, 
people before that I was in, I was in uh, North of um, Seattle speaking at a pro-life event, which was amazing. Um, anyway, but John, you've written a piece that is uh, very bitter and humorous and it's a response ostensibly to my new book letter to the American church. So why don't you tell the people what you've done? Sure. It's called a letter to my fellow mediocrities. And the image is of a hole full of money to refer to the biblical parable of the servant burying his talents in the yard. And uh, the whole article is from the point of view of uh, exhausted middle-aged Christians who are tired, tired of all the trouble and all the strife. And, and we don't want the government bothering us. We don't want the IRS or the FBI coming after us. When we see a Christian who went to jail for not closing his church during COVID or uh, someone who stood up on January 6th and, and, and asserted his right to defend the elect, to defend an honest election, or at least ask questions about it. Or when we see Mark Haupt, this pro-life activist in Pennsylvania, whose house was raided by 40 FBI agents with rifles, we think better him than me. Okay. How do I make, how do I make sure I'm not one of those heroic Christians targeted by the government I want that to happen to somebody else. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm extremely sarcastic most of the time, but when I'm with you, I have to acknowledge the fact that I'm less sarcastic than you. And so I have to be the one to explain to the mainstream audience, John is being sarcastic and what you're saying, but, but this is, I mean, look, I'm talking about this in every sermon, in every talk, on every radio program, in every interview, exactly what you just said. There are people Happy to say, it's like they may as well. It's, I mean, to cut to the chase, it's like they hear the Jews going to the death camps and they go, you know what? I just can't be bothered anymore. Enough. Let, let me just focus on my, I'm going to have my quiet time here while the Jews and their children go in the boxcars to the death camps. Now, that might sound like hyperbole. Here's the problem. It's not. It's not. That's the problem. It's not yeah. hyperbole. So in my book, I'm trying to wake people up, but your letter is. <laughs> is trying to give vent to the uh, to the cowardly. Oh, it's so painful, John. People Climbing are- into the, I'm, ex- look, each of us has an inner coward who just wants to enjoy his soup. Not too hot, not too cold, because then we would spit it out of our mouth. We want nice, lukewarm soup. We want quiet, relaxing music. If there are, if there are trains bringing people to prison camps, we want to sing a little louder to drown it out. We, we, yeah, we want to dodge a bullet better him than me. We, if, if we're in a herd of animals being chased by a lion, we don't want to be the guy who turns around and tries to gore the lion with our little horns. <clears throat> Just run, because that'll give you an opportunity not to fight, but to run another time. And if you flee today, it gives you a chance to flee tomorrow. And the one who gets eaten last wins. Well, and so we're just going to preach the God. Wait, wait, Eric. We're, we are being smart. We're not like those troublemakers who are going to be arrested by the government and going to have their homes raided. We are being prudent so we can preach, keep preaching the gospel. Of course, what does the gospel consist of? It consists of not making trouble with Caesar and cooperating with Herod and Pilate and being the unjust steward and burying your talents in the yard. This is the message of Christians who are unwilling to push back against our wicked and illegitimate regime. Well, and of course, it's a false gospel. And what it does, and people need to be clear, 
it, it's not just a false gospel. It spits in the face of the actual gospel. It spits in the face of Jesus. It is a mockery of the gospel. It may, when, we, when Bonhoeffer talks about cheap grace, which, of course, I write about in Letter to the American Church, he makes it clear that you know, cheap grace isn't just not that great. It makes a mockery of grace. It makes a mockery of faith in the one who died for us. And what I found interesting when I wrote about the parable of the talents is how clear, I mean, Jesus, you hear this, right? But when I looked at that parable, and again, I wrote about it in the book, it is so clear how those who take the quote unquote safe path that you've just outlined, it's not like they go, they get a C or a C minus. They are soundly condemned. They are condemned. And it's a scary thing because we've been really sold a Jesus over the decades in America who wouldn't do that. He doesn't condemn. He loves everybody, you know, and he has low expectations. He's our, he, he is our special Olympics coach. And he doesn't expect us to actually beat any world records, but it's nice that we tried and everybody gets a participation trophy. I mean, this we're is all going to ride the short bus to glory. We, that we unfortunately to, is not real. I have to, I have to always interrupt the jokes just to clarify to people. Listen, folks, you're saved by faith. There's no doubt about that, but here's the key. This is the key is that you're saved by actual faith. If you don't have actual faith, if you give lip service to faith, if you give lip service to the grace of God, God knows you actually don't have faith. You don't, you're then you're not covered by grace. That is the most chilling nightmare satanic scenario that you are not going to be with him in glory. And so when the scripture says faith without works is dead, you think that that's a scary thing. In other words, if I'm not living out my faith uh, in self-sacrificial ways that proves that I actually believe Jesus defeated death and all this stuff is true. If I'm not doing that, God says, then I don't have faith. So this kind of, it's mostly an evangelical idea that like, you know, I'm saved by faith and that's it. That's it. That's it. We really have diminished the concept of faith so drastically that many people are now convinced I don't need to do anything, which is exactly what Bonhoeffer was saying in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. It's what he was saying in sermons in the early 30s, and the Germans didn't listen to it. So this is really extremely serious. And, and let's, I, remember, let's remember all the passages in the gospel where Jesus says, oh, you believe in me? Great. Drop everything and follow us. Oh, no, 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 no. I've got, I've got stuff to do. I've got responsibilities. Oh, uh you, you really believe in me? Sell all you. You have to sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow me. Oh, no, 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 no. Now you're being irrational. Now let's not get carried away here, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> can I just write you a check? That's, but that, that, that's kind of the point. And I think that it only takes, it takes bad times like we're going through now for this stuff to get focused. We've been drifting yeah. along and drifting along. And I think suddenly now, because of things that have happened, because of Trump, because of COVID, because of Biden, because of circumstances, God is in his mercy confronting us with a stark choice. Yeah. It's no longer whatever. It's kind of like, no, no, now you have a choice. There's no third way. It's this or it's this. They're not going to leave you alone. They're going to come. If you 
just pray outside an abortion clinic. The FBI might come to your house with stormtroopers out of one of the Star Wars prequels and not one of the good ones. Uh, if, you, if you don't want to take a vaccine made from dead babies that might you know, be an, a bizarre DNA factory in your system, if you just want to make the most fundamental and intimate medical choices, the government is going to tell your boss to fire you and your computer will be restricted and you won't be able to talk about what you want to say on your own social media platform. But hey, relax, don't worry. Don't be one of those troublemaking Christians who brings down the wrath of the authorities on us by pushing back in any way as if you were, I don't know, an American living in a free country. Remember that? We we are now uh, going to a break, folks. I want you to digest what you've heard and when we come back there's more Make this is the air Texas show talking to john smirak you'll get shut out make like a mr meek and you'll get cut out hey gang it's monday And because you've been very, very bad over the weekend, your punishment is you have to listen to me talk to John Zmirak. Shame on you. Now take your punishment. John, I am the wrath of God. (laughs) I am the rod of the the Assyrians. (laughs) Okay. What is happening? Well, I've got another piece. It's stream.org. I hope people check out. It's called Why I'm a Climate Denier. And you should be too. First of all, denier. That's the word that the left likes to use when we disagree with something they say. When we dissent, I don't know, argue, we are deniers. And and this is a clear example of manipulative rhetoric. They are trying to evoke Holocaust denier. So if you deny that the 2020 election was, was honest, they will call you an election denier. Right. The people who who denied that Donald Trump was legitimately elected in 2016, they're not election deniers. Deniers are only people on the right. Hey, not- you, you remind me that this is um, uh, I, I'd like to think my interruptions and parentheticals are important. But in this case, you remind me I, I've said this before, but I've never said it quite uh, the way I want to say it now. When the left doesn't have an argument, which is now most of the time they don't have an argument. Right. They have become experts at name calling. If I can use a word to shut you up, you're a racist, you're a white nationalist. You're a turf. Nationalist. You're a turf. You're a transgender excluding radical feminist. Instead of arguing with feminists who, who disagree with transgenderism, they just call them turfs, which is a, a dehumanizing epithet. As if that dismisses their arguments. And likewise, Christian nationalists, that's the new one. And that's meant to evoke white nationalists. But and I'm all more... of it is designed to stop argument and rational thought. Okay, that's it's, a fact. Just, it's just scapegoating. It's just like saying you have the cooties and all the other leftists go, oh, he has the cooties and they run away. But I feel I feel like uh, because I have you on the program, I feel like I want to figure out what it is that causes the, the left to do this. In other words, because it works. Know it's because they don't have an argument. And because so they it works. Word. Well, no, it works, yeah, but I'm saying, but there's something deeper here. 
uh, at least I suspect there's something deeper. They are, let's call the left what they are. They're name callers. They are name callers. They do not have arguments and they invent names and words and whatever it is. And I mean, I noticed this, you know, people are, are trolling me on Twitter or whatever it is. Or, or if some, some left-wing organization writes about something I said, or you said they say Trumpist radio host. Like, that settles it. Yeah. He's a Trumpist radio host. And they keep coming up with terms like this. Another famous one that they use, which tips the, the, it tips their hand instantly, they say grifter, working his grift. And it's like they have a vocabulary. It's like there's 20 words, 20 colorfully colorful words in a box, and they just pull them out. And there's nothing else. They call you a grifter, a Trumpist, da, 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 da. but it really shows the paucity of their situation. Well, they they have don't have to think to say they, they don't, don't want to think. They're afraid to think. And it's these terms. But it, here's I guess why. I will explain to you why. It's so amazingly childish, and it's amazing to me that we're not calling them on the childishness. Well, the problem they, they Eric, brought things down to this level. Eric, they became leftists. Not for any rational reasons, not because they sincerely thought things through, not because they're sincerely mistaken. They are lemmings headed. They were lemmings following the other lemmings towards a cliff. They became leftists because of groupthink, because they looked around and said, that's where the cool people are. That is the reason they became leftists. So they are sharing their conversion story, their witness, if you will, well, to, to other people. That's what worked for me. Hell, I never had any rational arguments to get me to my position. Rational arguments, we don't need no stinking rational arguments. I, I, look, I know, you're, I know you're right, and I think there's more to this. I feel you don't like have enough is. contempt for them, Eric. I want to offer you some of mine. Well, no, I mean, I think that the childishness of name calling needs itself to be called out. I feel like, honestly, there's a stream piece in you on the subject of this. There's more to it. The idea of being so childish that you come up with these terms and that you just go, it's like saying, it's really the equivalent of that. But it worked for Stalin and it worked for Hitler. So these people have got good, solid historical precedent for what they're doing. Well, uh, yes, I would I would think so. Look, evil uh, has been around for some time. Right, it didn't right. start with Hitler, but it is fascinating how they wield it now. And also it gets to the idea that, at least for me, the infantilization of the folks on the left. Yeah. They, when I saw when I was with Sean Foyt in Times Square, he had his Let Us Worship event. It was the most multicultural, multi-ethnic uh, multiracial th- thing I've ever seen. I mean, every kind of New Yorker was there. It was beautiful. And there was this tiny clot of disturbed protesters. And I actually felt sorry for them. They looked so disturbed. They, they looked like they, they were, they were like the kids in junior high who were, were so weird that no one ate with them or whatever, but they found each other and when I looked at them, at what they were doing, their tactics, I thought, this is just unbelievably childish. It's, and it's yet, just rise to the level of anything that anyone could take seriously. And yet they're running the country, Eric. So maybe okay. we should learn from them. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how a tiny clot of nutty, sad people is running the country and more with John Zmirak. Don't go away. I 
before the altar But I do agree there's times When a woman sure can be a friend of mine Gentlemen, it is I, your radio host, Eric Metaxas. I'm in Carlsbad, California, and it just occurred to me now when I said Carlsbad, it's Carlsbad. This probably was a mineral spring in Roman times or something like that. Uh, we don't have time to get into that. John, you, my friend, are in front of a Hieronymus Bosch painting. We're not going to say which to punish the people who are not watching this on Rumble, who are not subscribed to ericmetaxas.com. We will, of course, not mention the state of my mutton chop side whiskers, because why should we? If you subscribe to ericmetaxas.com, you'd be able to see them. Before I give John a chance to begin talking, um, I want to remind you, Houston, October 12th, Socrates in the City coming up. James Tour is my guest. If you know anybody in the Houston area who isn't going, you're really going to miss something. I've never done one of these in Houston before. October 12th, James Tour, go to SocratesandCity.com. Hurry up, hurry up. Okay, John, what's happening? Well, Eric, we were talking about my piece, Why I'm a Climate Denier and You Should Be Too. And what I am saying in it, the most important point is, arguing with leftists on the merits, on the evidence that they present, and the rational arguments that they offer, you have to do that, but it's sort of beside the point. Because they are not convinced of their position by evidence or rational arguments. Those are like Christmas tree ornaments that, they, that are purely decorative. They have chosen their political positions typically for one of three reasons. And it's these things we usually have to actually dig and go after if we want to engage them. One is the spurious sense of meaning that they find for their frivolous lives in embracing some arbitrary cause and then moralizing about it self-righteously. Then there's the haughty sense of superiority that they feel over non-believers when they preach or preen about this issue. And finally, the political or economic power that they can gain over helpless strangers who they can corral, starve, forcibly vaccinate, forcibly sterilize, or even kill as if they were cattle. That is what motivates the left. So spurious sense of meaning, haughty sense of superiority, and the real prospect of coercive power wielded by the government or some big corporation. That's what motivates the left. So when you, when you argue with them on the merits, they look confused. It's like a monkey threw its poop at you. And you pick the poop up and threw it back. It's beside the point. Okay, but you, you, we have to make this point, John, that the, the scripture says, uh, Jesus says, cast ye not your pearls before swine. There is a scriptural mandate to us, a command that we are not, we have to have the discernment and the wisdom when to debate someone right. or to try to reason with them. But oftentimes, God says to us, I do not want you to do that. And no, 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 no. You're not going to get extra credit for that. You're going to be condemned for that. You need to have the wisdom to know when someone is open to possibly hearing truth. Right. Because if they're not, I don't want you to waste my time, God's time, and 
my energy, which I have given you for my purposes, in arguing with people foolishly. And I, and I think it's important for us to say, because there are a lot of well-meaning people who are, they love to argue. And if you are not making some kind of progress in God's economy, he tells you, I do not want you shake the dust off of your sandals and move on to the next town. So you have to have discernment about whether you're getting anywhere. And Bonhoeffer talks about this. There was somebody I'm trying to remember. I read about in the Bonhoeffer book, but who was who was saying, like, if only we could convert the Nazi high command to Christ. And you think, yes, theoretically. And if God opens the door, obviously, let's get a meeting with them. Let's get a meeting with Joseph Goebbels and reason with him and point him to some various scripture texts. Yeah, and it's not going to work. So in the in the article, I'm saying that the whole cult of climate is entirely a power grab. The people who say there's a scientific consensus. First of all, that that's a lie. That's based on a on a survey where they got scientists from every possible discipline, including psychologists including dermatologists, podiatrists, and they said, do you believe in climate change? It means absolutely nothing, okay? But the last, I just want to point out, when people talk about a scientific consensus that the earth is warming and we have to freeze and starve in the dark or else the earth will become uninhabitable, the last scientific consensus was overpopulation, that there was going to be mass starvation in the U.S. and in Britain in the 1970s and 80s. There was a scientific consensus on that. We remember this. But what's so funny, John, is that people don't seem to have any memories. I mean, I remember this. You remember this. You know, when Earth Day was invented in 1970 or whatever. It, it, It really is funny how people... They make these declarations, and then if it doesn't pan out, they never bring it up again. They don't say, oh, we were mistaken. They just make up another thing and another thing, and people are eternally gullible. It's like the neocons who said, we'll be welcome with flowers in Iraq, and it will turn into Switzerland or New Hampshire if we just drop enough bombs on it. Oh, well, none of that happened, but they're not discredited. They're still invited on Fox News to bladder their ignorance but another scientific consensus that nobody remembers is eugenics as of the 20s and 30s every scientist agreed that alcoholism and promiscuity and feeble-mindedness and all these made up made up conditions but all these all our social problems were a result of genetic defects and that if we could stop the bad people from reproducing America and the world would be much better places. Planned Parenthood was, and Margaret Sanger were the big salesmen for this. They got laws passed in 13 states in the U.S. that got 60,000 Americans forcibly sterilized, mostly for failing culturally biased IQ tests. Right. These laws were on the books into the 1970s. And, and there was a woman... Uh, Elaine Riddick, sterilized in 1964 in North Carolina based on these laws. The Nazis took their eugenics program from Planned Parenthoods. That was a scientific consensus. Now, what do these scientific consensuses always have in common? They have one thing. They all offer power to a small elite of rich white people to dominate and bully the rest of the world. That was environmentalism, that's the climate cult, and that was eugenics. Somehow, we keep getting different terminal diseases, but the cure is always the same. Hand us absolute power. Well, uh, if you want to hear more 
in my conversation with John Smirak, you need to go to metaxastalk.com, click on the banner to help our friends at the Alliance Defending Freedom. They are fighting this war for you, the Alliance Defending Freedom. I will keep reminding you folks, they are the greatest. The Alliance Defending Freedom, metaxastalk.com. We'll be right back. You wonder why I always dress in black. Why hey, folks, did you go to metaxastalk.com and click on the ADF banner? I want to tell you it's very important that everyone who listens to this program do what they can. People keep saying, what can I do? What can I do? You can give $5. You can give $10. You can give $100 to the Alliance Defending Freedom. They're fighting these battles that we talk about all the time on this program. This is not hyperbole. These are amazing people. They're heroes. We've had them on the program, but they need your help, okay? They're not getting rich defending your freedoms, but they're doing it because they believe it's the right thing to do. So please go to metaxastalk.com, click on the banner. John, what else shall we discuss, my friend? Well, I've got another piece of the stream called, and this is one of my more winsome bridge-building titles, the left, like its father, the devil, projects its sins onto us. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just too much. The <laughs> left, like its father, the devil. No judgment there, folks. No. The left, like its father, the devil, projects its what? Its sins onto us. Enough. And its and it's, 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 it's evil plans for the future. And, and I, I, first, I want to say... It's, it's tempting to take our opponents, our enemies at their word, and believe that they're sincere, okay? But actually, that's not a very charitable assumption. Do we really want to believe that the people who are, we're talking to think that an unborn baby it, is something that is dead and has no species? It's just an undifferentiated mass of tissue until it, it pops through the magic birth canal, then it becomes a human being with rights. Do, we re- do they really believe that there were always 47 different genders, but science had not discovered 45 of them until reality TV star Bruce Jenner discovered he was a lesbian trapped in the body of a big hulking guy, and Vanity Fair did a cover story on it. And all of a sudden, there were 45 extra genders. Do, we, do they really believe that science told governors to put COVID patients in nursing homes with the most vulnerable people, but to close down all the grammar schools and all the churches so that people with healthy immune systems wouldn't be infected, but the people in nursing homes would be. Do they really believe that when Democrats question election results, that's patriotic, that's fighting voter suppression, but when Republicans do it, they are insurrectionists, traitors, the equivalent of Confederates, firing on Fort Sumter, do they really believe that it's generous to send illegal immigrants to poor border towns in Texas and Arizona, but it's criminal and cynical to send them to Martha's Vineyard? I mean, were all these people dropped on their heads as children? Are they really this dumb? No. No, the charitable interpretation is that they're lying, cynical, power-hungry and corrupt, corrupt to the core. That's, that's what I choose to believe. There. Well, look, John, I think this is the point. There's no question what you said is true. And I, and I think that sometimes people, this is, this is kind of like a, a spiritual reality that um, God gives us over to ourselves. 
He gives us ample opportunity to turn to him. But at some point, if we refuse and refuse and refuse, he allows us to turn away from him. And when we turn away from him, it gets worse and worse and more and more obvious and more horrifying. And so what you're seeing right now is that there are people, I'm sure there are people um, who are waking up. They're looking around and thinking, I think I might've got something wrong. And we want to reach those people. Right. But what you're talking about are people who have so lost touch with reality, who have willingly let go of reality that they are now becoming parodies of themselves. All they know how to do is lie. The lies are becoming more obviously ridiculous. And a lot of people are finally seeing this, that if you thought they were good-willed, well, now it's very difficult to believe that. I just passed the gas station here yesterday in California. The gas was just shy of $7. And I thought to myself, at what point do people say, you know what, Uh, I think... Those other guys might have been right about some of this. We're going to go to break more with John Smirak. Welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Folks, welcome to Hour 2. Uh, when we uh, come back, I'm talking to John Zmirek now, but for the rest of the hour today, we're talking to my dear friend, Ann Morse, who has written a lovely book about the extraordinary classic film, It's a Wonderful Life. Very cheerful, very non-cynical, nothing like John Zmirek and me in this conversation right now. Really just, uh, just a wonderful thing. I also want to remind you, if you haven't gone to metaxastalk.com, to give to ADF. It's really uh, de rigueur. It is required of you to go to metaxastalk.com to help the folks at ADF. Don't say, what what can I do? Because that's something you can do and you must do. They need your help. They're fighting for you, for our religious liberties. All the stuff we're talking about, they're taking these things to the Supreme Court and they're not making money. They're doing this at the, you know, uh, bargain basement prices because they actually believe in the truth. So please help them out. Alliance Defending Freedom, go to metaxastalk.com. John Zmirak, what else must we discuss? So we're talking about how the left uses psychological projection. And, and projection is something that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Satan told Eve that God was jealous of human beings and felt threatened by them and was trying to restrict them and tear them down. But in fact, that's what Satan was doing. Hitler and the Nazis, they got hold of this book, The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. It it claimed there was a tiny cabal of conspirators who wanted to tyrannize the world and and destroy traditional values and, and just wield absolute power. And it was true, except it wasn't the Jews. It was the Nazis with that conspiracy. So they were projecting their own guilt onto the innocent Jews. The communists did the same thing. When they, when they called everyone a fascist, you know, liberal Democrats are fascists, monarchists are fascists, it's because there, there is a political party that's morally indistinguishable from the fascists. It's the communist party. Well, in our own time, the Democrats claimed that Donald Trump's election in 2016 was a threat to democracy that required a resistance He was corruptly colluding with a hostile foreign power, and he would abuse the government's power to persecute his opponents. Well, none of that was true of Donald Trump, but all of it is true of the the former Joe Biden. 
He he was corruptly colluding with a foreign hostile foreign power, China. He is abusing the government's power to persecute his opponents. He he does require a resistance. So if you want to know what the left is planning to do, look at what they're accusing us of, and and that's so you know. Okay, that's what's coming down the pike next. And and by the way, I think we you know we have to say this uh, from a spiritual perspective. This is so cynical, folks. This is e- this is what evil is. Evil doesn't advertise itself as evil. It accuses you of the very things it's trying to do, which is actually an ama- it's it's like someone is raping someone. Somebody comes into the room, and then the rapist says, "This person just was raping me." Right. In other words, it's worse than the the rape itself. In this, or at least it compounds, I should say, the rape itself that. It, it, it's so evil right. to accuse the one whom you were abusing of abusing you. Right. That is when it goes to the level of satanic evil. When you so, realize that it's not just someone doing something bad, it's someone doing something bad and then accusing their own victim of doing it to them. It, it, right. it's, it's grotesque. So, it is Demo- grotesque. so the Democrats who demonized these innocent people who took selfies at the Capitol on January 6th, they, they talk about them as if they were terrorists. But it's not just Democrats. George W. Bush equated the January 6th protesters with the 9-11 hijackers. <coughs> that is a masterpiece, a masterpiece of projection. I guess the only thing the 9-11 hijackers had in common with the January 6th protesters is that George W. Bush didn't protect America from either of them. Okay, that's the only common factor. I want to say when you mentioned January sixth, um, <laughs> folks, this is there's nothing more horrifying. My friend uh, Simone Gold uh, was sent to prison. This is a professional young woman, a lawyer and a doctor who did nothing wrong, who was put in solitary confinement uh, in a horrible jail. Um, how long? I, I, well, it was the original, the original thing was 60 days. I think they let her out after 40 days or something, but I I don't think anybody can understand how wicked this is. In other words, if you ever had a case of someone who should not go to jail, if you know the story, but the point is the left is being, they're not just having a different point of view. They're being wicked. They want to punish. They want to crush those who would dare dissent. And I'm telling you, folks, if you do not dissent, you're making their job easier. You are are helping them to crush others. So we're living in very, very difficult times. And it's, 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 it's necessary that we understand those folks who are not talking about January 6th, those Republicans, those conservatives who aren't talking about it, why do you want to hear anything they have to say? That's right. Why? If That's they don't right. have the courage to talk about this, shame on them. And That's they know who right. they are. Don't tell me about your tax cuts and, and your free market. If you don't think Americans should be free to protest, if they think an election has been stolen, the game's over. I don't want if, if the country doesn't offer that kind of freedom, I don't want it to have a strong defense and a strong economy because it's a threat to the world. If you're going to turn America into, into a, a, 
a cheap version of communist China. I'm not going to try to make it strong and, and prosperous because it, it's wicked. It's dangerous. These people, the, the left wants to terrorize us. They want to frighten us so that we're afraid to show up at protests. We're afraid to pray outside abortion clinics because what if the FBI comes to my home? So if we don't stand up for people like Mark Houck in Pennsylvania and Simone Gold and all the January 6th defendants, and if you want to follow their cases, Julie Kelly writes about them at American Greatness almost every day. She's an American hero. Of course, she will never win a Pulitzer because to win a Pulitzer, you have to lie about the Ukrainian famine or pretend that America was founded as a conspiracy of slave owners. So she won't win a Pulitzer, but but her reward will be great in heaven for looking out for these innocent Americans being persecuted by a corrupt, wicked deep state that far too many Republicans, they just want to go along to get along. They don't want to get the stink eye at the country club. They are worse than useless. They are and, and, you know, John, um, yesterday um, I was speaking at Rob McCoy's church, Godspeak, up in uh, Thousand Oaks, California. And what he said, um, because this applies to the, to the Republicans that are useless, this applies to the pastors and the churches and the church leaders that are useless. He said to them, he said, get them a copy of Eric's book, Letter to the American Church. If they do not respond favorably to it, find another church. Folks, yeah. you have to get behind the people that are trying to live this out. There are pastors, there are Christian leaders, there are conservatives. They are putting their lives on the line as we ought to do for the truth, folks. If you believe in the truth, if you believe in the God of the Bible, you live it out. And if you're not doing that, folks, find, find someone else who is doing that and support them, support them with your money, with your time, with your energy, because we're in a battle right now. And the folks that haven't gotten this memo who who think that if I just ignore all of this evil, it'll go away and and the reasonable people will, will get behind me. That's not going to happen. I promise you that that's not going to happen. We need to all do our part. Let's remember the parable of the good Samaritan. A man is beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. First, a moderate Democrat passes by on the road. And he looks over and he sees the guy. He says, well, that's not my problem. Then a never-Trump Republican walks along the road and says, ooh, look, he's covered in blood. He might have COVID. He puts puts on his mask and scampers away. Then a deplorable drives up in his beat-up red pickup truck. And he sees the guy by the side of the road, and he takes him to an inn and cares for him. The January 6th defendants, unborn babies, trans teenagers, all the victims of the left, they are the man by the side of the road, and we have to be the good deplorable. John Zmirak, thank you. All right.